Today's podcast is brought to you by CrossNet, the world's first four-way volleyball net. Set up easily in sand, grass, indoors, or on the blacktop. The perfect game for outdoor enthusiasts as it is combined with volleyball and four-score rules in a game to 11 and win by two. On today's Court Vision, I welcome on Mike Newton. He is the Basketball Operations Associate and Team Player Development of the Santa Cruz Warriors. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Jeff? I'm doing I'm doing really well. How are you holding up during these crazy times of this pandemic? Doing well. Um, I'm actually taking it in pretty well. Um, nobody close to me has been affected at this point in time. Obviously, you know, I still feel for those who have been. But I kind of look at this time as a blessing in disguise just because um, with the NBA season, you know, I feel as though, and it's my opinion, it, it never ends. Once the season's over with, you know, you get into pre-draft workouts, um, the combine, um, you know, then the draft, summer league. And then you're right in training camp. So being able to spend this this two or three weeks with my family has been uh, tremendous and great. And I've really had time to enjoy myself. Yeah, I think that's like, you know, I think it's a good time to like kind of, you know, it kind of obviously it sucks what's going on. But it's a good time to kind of get that time in with your family. Like you said, especially being an NBA grind, the, the season's a long season. At least you get to spend some time with your family and get to see them out where you are. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, but Mike, you know. When before you got into this position, like um, you've had a hell of a career and everything like that. But when did you know that uh, basketball was your sport? So I would say right around um, right around fifth and sixth grade. You know, um, I actually took on baseball and I, I took that very seriously. Um, before travel basketball, you know, I spent a lot of time in the field. Um, I was actually in travel AU for baseball, and I was really good. I used to watch videos, go outside with my dad. And then um, my dad signed me up to be in the YMCA. And, you know, every time, like, I joined a sports, like, for the first year, I always struggled. But that following year, I, sh- I showed, like, tremendous strides. So kind of similar situation with basketball. And then, um, you know, I-, I got an opportunity to go to um, somewhat local tournament, but still out of the Cleveland area where it was great competition, and I held my own. And at that point, you know, I kind of knew, like, this is what I want to do, I mean, basketball with it. Being inside, condition, you know, the constant movement, it was just something I fell in love with. Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, you know, is there an age that, like, you – I mean, yeah, baseball's kind of standstill, but is there an an age where you kind of, like, realized that, like, you were starting to separate yourself from the competition or, like – I would – yeah, so I would say um, right around – so after I chose basketball as, you know, the, the career or, you know, the sport I wanted to play, that following year, seventh grade, um, I really took off. So like in my middle school or elementary school, you know, I kind of dominated the competition. Um, I think we, we ended up winning the championship. Like we went undefeated or we lost one game. And then on the AU circuit, you know, I was playing with the team. This was my second year. We weren't sponsored. But, you know, we made such tremendous strides with a team as, as a whole. You know, we ended up being sponsored by LeBron James' AU team. So wow, we, that, we, that's crazy. Yeah. So we went from being Team Berea Sports, which is like a, a team that they had in their city, to King James Shooting Stars. We were getting guys from Akron area and as far as, you know, Pennsylvania. So um, at that point, I knew it was starting to get serious once LeBron sponsored our team. And I was like, you know, I have a chance to do something special with this. That's really cool. Did you ever meet LeBron from that? So, yeah, so actually um, playing for King James, I never met him while we were playing, but, um, and we'll get to this, but I had a chance to shadow a guy, and um, I went out to L.A., and it's called the Nike Skills Academy, where the best of the best high school collegiate players and the NBA players who are sponsored by Nike all attend. 
So I had an opportunity to talk to LeBron uh, amongst some other colleagues or younger guys who played with King James as well, kind of introduced them. And I held like a five minute conversation before a security guard pushed me out the way. So. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. How, how was he in person? He's great. So um, at first, to be honest with you, like you don't know how these guys are. So, you know, looking at them from, you know, the television, it's like, man, these guys are arrogant. I never thought LeBron as an arrogant guy. I always thought of him as you know, someone who was very strategic about how he went about business and his answers. But meeting him in person, man, the most genuine guy ever, um, you know, I when I approached him, you know, a security guard was very defensive, obviously, like, get away, get away. LeBron stared at me in my eyes and said, I'm listening, keep talking. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. That's so really... that comment right there kind of just, my, my perception of LeBron is, man, great human being. You can't get any better than that, so. That's great, and that's kind of funny how like things are working out now that like you're on that almost in the NBA as well, working out like working exactly. with teams. So it's funny how that life works out like that. It, it is, it is, man. It always comes full circle. So just gotta yeah. be patient. Exactly, exactly. Um, and how did you, you know, like what was your high school playing career like, and like what was your recruiting process like? Okay, so like in high school, um, like I stated before, so on the AU circuit, I'll touch that first. Um, I played with King James Shooting Stars. Um, and we were great. I mean, we went from, like I said, not being sponsored to like an unranked to beating these like sponsored and ranked teams to being sponsored and going to national, um, you know, events and national competition and tournaments. So, uh, my AU season went pretty well. Um, I actually played in the EYBL. So the second year the EYBL was around, I played in that and, um, you know, we weren't the best. We weren't that good. Um, there were other teams that were just way more talented than us, but I mean, we held our own, um, as far as high school, man, my high school team. It's really good. So I went to a Catholic um, high school, private school, all boys. Uh, my coach is Eric Flannery. Um, he actually coached USA basketball every year. Wow. Um, I believe he was the Jordan Brand. He was the Jordan Brand classic coach, and he may have coached the McDonald's All American game as well. So wow, that's really cool. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I know for yeah. a fact he coached <laughs> Jordan Brand classic. So um, he he always and he had great teams too. Um, some guys to mention: Delvon Rowe, um, Steve Logan, Sam Clancy. Um, you know, Pete Lackovic, like there's plenty of guys who have come through that program. Um, even now, you know, Derek Funderburg, who plays at North Carolina State, um, Kipper Nichols plays at Illinois, the list goes on. Um, but he was a great coach. So just right then and there, I came in um, the year before I came in 2008. They had a great team. They actually played Drew Holiday and Campbell Hall on ESPN. Um, That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Tom Izzo was there for Delvon Rowe and we ended up beating Drew Holiday and Campbell Hall. So that following wow. year, when I came in as a freshman, all of our seniors left. I think we yeah. had three seniors, one with varsity experience, and he didn't really play varsity, he just sat. And then the rest were like sophomores and freshmen. So um, I played varsity as a freshman. Um, we had a pretty good season. Um, people thought we were going to be really bad. We ended up ending the year on a high note. Um, going into my sophomore year, we had high hopes because we were returning everybody but three guys who didn't really play. Um, at that point, at the beginning of the year, we were top 100. Um, wow. I think 90th in the country. Um, and then, you know, I had hopes of starting. I played, like I said, my freshman year play varsity, going into sophomore yeah. year, high hopes. Um, and then we played my hometown team the first game of the season. And, you know, we ended up beating them. I was on my high horse. Um, That's talk awesome. A bit, talk a little bit about recruiting. I was getting letters from, you know, Louisville, um, Cincinnati, um, uh, wow. Akron, all the local schools. Yeah, like my recruiting started to take off. And I broke my ankle beginning of the oh, year. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's, that's tough. It was tough, man. So I went through a little phase of depression. Um, you know, I, I missed basically the whole year. 
kind of rushed back into it just because, like I said, my team was just so talented where, like, I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity of winning states. Um, and it mm. kind of hurt me, man. I wasn't ready to come back. I couldn't even plant on my right foot fully. So, yeah. um, so we ended up losing, disappointing season. And then the, the next two years, my recruiting just – it took a, a big hit because of my ankle injury. And, um, you know, I just – yeah, basically depleted. So it was it was humbling, to say the least. Like I said, yeah. freshman, sophomore year, playing varsity, getting meaningful minutes. Then to seeing these letters flow in, obviously some written and personal, some not. But still, just even be noticed. Yeah, it's um, like huge to be yeah, – to so, even be noticed on some sort of stage. Oh, yeah, it was tough. But – um, that was it. So, um, going into college, um, you know, I, I actually, so how I went to Northwood and it's known as Kaiser now is one of our coaches, um, he actually went to St. Ed's. He was an assistant coach at the time. And, mm. uh, Raleigh Massimino who coached at Villanova was yep. his neighbor when he was coaching at Cleveland state. So, you know, he reached out to me and was like, Hey, like we got a great situation. I know it's not division one, but Hey, like you got to a famous coach, you know, who won a 1985 championship, great connections in West Palm Beach, Florida, you can't beat it. So at that time, um, you know, my, I didn't see much activity in my recruiting. Um, these guys were on me heavy, constantly called me, wanted to fly me out. Um, and then at that point in time, it was just like, man, what am I waiting for? I'm in Florida. I'm learning from the best. So that's when I chose uh, Northwood. That's awesome. And how well, how was it like playing for like Roly Massimino, like uh, just was, being being able to learn from a legend himself you know man, I feel like rest in always... peace rest in peace coach yeah. Mass, man Mass yeah. he's he's unbelievable man um so i'm big on family and i've been a i've been with coaches plenty of coaches who preach family family they're not about it i mean it's tough i mean right like you're constantly worried about schemes x and o's and then yeah. the last thing on your mind is like is this guy good but what coaches fail to realize is if your players are good off the court then more than likely they're going to perform well on the court so Coach Mass was a mastermind at that, man. I mean, big family guy. I, I have stories on top of stories. Like, for, for example, um, before every game, um, he would choose one guy to have to sing a song, random song, but it had to be like a classic. <laughs> so we had three freshmen at the time in the first game of the season. He makes us all stand up in front of everybody and dance and uh, sing. And we would always eat at this place that was right behind our school, his favorite Italian place. He could literally walk into this restaurant and walk in the back while people are cooking, give people kisses on the cheek. He's trying <laughs> food in the back. Like, they would always bring out the specials. Like, he would literally just do his hand like this. Plates of pizza, pasta, salad, breadsticks, any drink you want. Like, it was a feast every game day. And, like, this guy, he was just unbelievable, man. Another time uh, I was in college, and I'll just leave you with this one, how awesome he is. So I get migraines. Uh, when I get dehydrated. Too so I'll be honest, we're in West Palm Beach, Florida, right? So me and the guys had a little bit of fun. Man, <laughs> whatever, they take me out. So the next day in practice was just tough. And he knew I got migraines. So he was just like, Newt, like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you know, I'm not feeling good. I get headaches, this and that. He was like, you know what? Go back to your apartment. Like, just take the day off. I'm like, okay, cool. I go to my apartment. Literally 10 minutes later, knock, knock, just banging on my door. So I'm like, okay, who is this? I open the door. My assistant coaches has a bag of treats like peanut butter crackers gatorade like medicine like just wow. a care package like yeah coach mm -hmm. mass told me i had to go to the store and get this for you like he said hope you feel better this is all meanwhile while they're having practice that's the type of guy he is and then Sounds last i can't i gotta give you guys a funny story too <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um 
another story, this is kind of bad on my part, you know, I'm a freshman, moody, um, you know, I, I went from <laughs> playing a lot of minutes to one of our starters came back, six, he's like 6'6 six, six shooter, like, of course he's going to play over me, I'm 5'10", I can barely shoot a basketball <laughs> into a shower, so like, he, um, you know, my minutes decreased or whatever, fine, so I had a little attitude, so he's on me like, dude, what's your problem? I kind of give him the cold shoulder, like, you know, I'm good, coach, like, don't worry yeah. about me. He walked straight up to me and was like, listen, you little, and I'm not going to say what he said, but you, you can kind of map out what he said to me. Like, you know, I'll send you on the first flight back to Cleveland and you can go back to doing not, that you always did. You never did any bubble. Just let me have it. But it just came from a place of love because yeah. that next day, if you didn't go to his office, which we had to go to his office and say hi to him every day. He was calling your phone like, yeah, best believe you're running. So so it was all out of love, man. He was a he was a great character guy. Um, I went to his funeral. Um, miss him, miss him to death. But it was unbelievable experience, man. Best, honestly, best coach slash person person as a whole that I've ever been, you know, in contact with. It sounds like it. It sounds like, you know, it's got that Italian, uh, the family love. And when you were describing the restaurant thing, it sounds like a scene out of Goodfellas when you're Mafia. just like, walking, yeah, walking <laughs> right through the back, you know, kissing people, get like, you know, eating pasta. That's, that's really cool. But it just sounds like a really good person. And like, they send you a care package when you have migraine. And this, this shows you how much he cares about the players. We, we went to Kentucky for my first game. So my first game in college, I played at Kentucky. And, um, wow. Yeah. So that's where he won the national championship at. So yeah. basically, it was just a welcome, welcome back, like congratulations tour for me. And when I say there was more people cheering for him than they were for the game or any other Kentucky player or Coach Cal, like guys were running up to us on the street, like praising this guy. And I'm just an 18 year old kid, like what's going on here? Like I have no idea, like what's the significance? Like I know he won 19, but why is he so loved? And but just being around him, I'm wondering. That's that. Yeah, it's pretty. That's. Awesome. That's awesome. You got to play for a legend like him. What was it like that experience playing at Kentucky, like playing against Cal and those guys? Man, so I played against Kentucky my first game, and in the second game, I played against Michigan State. The first game was surreal, man, because like at Kentucky, so you have a shoot around, right? You're the only one there. So you're kind of starstruck, but at the same time, you got those bright lights. You feel like a professional. So you're excited. You're shooting from half court. You're practicing <laughs> all the moves that you're envisioning yourself doing the next day. But then when that next day comes, it's surreal. When you're in the locker room, right, you're putting on that jersey. You can hear the screams and the cheers before the players even hit the floor out there. And then as you're walking out, it's literally like a ball. So, like, the two first levels, you can see them, but yeah. everything above that is just darkness. So it's literally like you're looking out there and you can't see anybody, but you just hear mass screaming from, like, every fan that probably lives in the, the state of, you know. So it was just – it was just surreal, man. And then being out there, obviously, I played the y'all played. It was Ryan Harrell, Nerlens Noel, um, yeah. Willie Cauley Stein, Archie Goodwin, Kyle Whittinger. So I mean, Damn. I, no disrespect. I wouldn't say it was the best Kentucky team, but that Kentucky team had a lot of guys who play and still play professional basketball. And yeah. I mean, are and, and I can say in a test that should be in the league. So. Um, the my first game playing collegiately, the speed, like that's the first thing I noticed, like how fast these guys were, um, how big they were. Like uh, Archie Goodwin checked me majority of the game, six five uh, bowling ball. You know what I mean? Just a brick. Yeah, yeah. So 
Um, it was definitely surreal. I think I scored four points, happiest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> um, and then we went on to play Michigan State, and that's when I realized I was at the right level that I should be. <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky gave me a little bit of hope where I thought, like, okay, maybe I could play, like, low division one if I wanted to. And I still believe I could have. I wouldn't have been a great player, but just a solid player. Yeah, but Michigan yeah. State, they showed me, like, no, like, you're fine right where you're at. I think they went up, like, 20 to zero on us, like. Wow. And that year, they had a lot of seniors. So I think they had Keith Appling, um, I know Travis Trice, um, yep. Denzel Valentine. Yeah, I was gonna- I'm trying to think who else was there. Uh, not Knicks. Was Knicks? I think Adrian Payne. Like they yep. had some yeah. guys there, man. And they were seasoned. Like when we played against Kentucky, we always had the mindset: these they're kids. You know what I mean? Like even though I was the same age as them, we had some older guys, 26. They're like, man, these guys are eight years younger than us. But when we went up against Michigan State, all those guys are four-year senior so it's like Damn, these, yeah these aren't kids <laughs> yeah those are men, those are men at that point yeah, yeah. but, but so, the experience was surreal it was surreal to say the least that's that's awesome that's such a cool like experience too to get to play against those teams and like you know to get the just to get that experience too uh to play against like the michigan states and the kentucky um what what led you to transfer to playing at urbana is it urbana university urbana. yes urbana, urbana. Yeah. So um, to be honest with you, it was a lot of factors, um, you know, going in uh, to my first year at West Palm Beach, Florida um, at Northwood. Um, originally, when I went there, I, I so how I operate is once I move somewhere, I tend to get homesick that first week. So it's mm-hmm. always tough for me to adjust and not be with family. So that That's first week, yeah, that first week was tough for me. But as time went on, I started to adjust, adapt. Um, I had some fun in Florida. But uh, my mom, she got into a car accident. Oh jeez! Before I went out there driving my car, so I was just getting calls from home, like your mother's back's always hurting. She's going to the hospital. Um, you know, my aunt was sick at the time. My best friend actually got murdered on my birthday. Oh Jesus! While we were on the flight to Kentucky. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, my grandfather passed away. We went to national turn. Like it was just so many moving pieces. Um, yeah. At the time, the the woman that I was dating, like we were just button heads just because of the distance and like i would be in my room playing a video game and you know it was just a, a bunch of like petty disagreements and a lot of that i will say was just stress for me but also yeah. distance right i'm 18 she's 19 like we used to be with each other every day after school and i was like okay i'm a day away from you so yeah at the end of the year man i just kind of looked at everything and just weighed all the factors like man i just want to get back home closer to my family and it was one of the toughest decisions i've ever had to make because I really felt like that was my family and coach Mass really felt like a father figure to me. So yeah. with that, like I was just, I was just happy to get that experience but at the same time. I knew I needed to leave. So um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Yeah. yeah that's understandable for sure though. I yeah. mean, you're you, I think Co- I'm sure coach understood too, because it sounds like to me, you're a family man and like you for put sure. your family first and you had to help out when time comes. I, I know that experience all too well with my mother as well with some issues that she had. And I moved back from places that I lived and I had to be, I had to, I just wanted to be closer to home to her cause she needed help or my dad needed help. So it's just, sure. it's totally understandable, man. That's, that's a tough situation to be in, but like, you know, You'd made the right choice for sure. Yeah, and I think everything happens for a reason. Like, I look at all my situations and all the decisions I've made, and I think back to, okay, if I never made this decision or if I wasn't in this situation, it's like a domino effect. Like, what would I not have experienced? You know what I mean? So, like, say, for instance, I didn't transfer to Urbana. More than likely, I wouldn't be where I'm at. No, I know I wouldn't be because I wouldn't have met 
John Stovall, who I spoke of and been able to shadow him yeah. because, you know, I would have been in Florida for the off season, you know what I mean? Working out. So it was, it was definitely tough. Um, and then also like my team at the time was good. We were uh, number one in the nation for division two NAI for the right. season. So we ended up being upset. Um, he had high hopes of me starting next year with my um, roommate. Obviously I left, um, went to Urbana, chose Urbana, to be honest with you, kind of pressured into that situation. Um, I was just looking for a school that was close. Yeah. First school, first school that offered me, um, I wanted to take a couple other visits. They kind of just let me know, hey, we got this offer. We really want you, but we can't wait. We got another Juco guard that we can grab. So I was like, you know, hey, my sister lives in Columbus. It's an hour away. Mom lives three hours. It's close enough. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, but those three years were rough, man. I mean, three years. So I've been a winner my whole life um, from – once I started playing basketball up into yeah. my sophomore year of college. And <laughs> Jeez, I mean, yeah, that's at Urbana, those three years, I mean, I think I won a total of 10 games in three years. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, it was tough, but it was a great, like, learning curve for me. Basically learning how to be a le- leader and deal with tough situations. So, like, understanding that, hey, we'll probably be bad, but still getting my team to somewhat gel and have some type of cohesiveness and also have that relationship with my coach where, you know, I could be that liaison from the players and coaches. Um, you know, I did my job ultimately, and I, and I went out and played well and hard. So um, it was definitely tough going to a losing program, trying to shift the culture. But all mm-hmm. in all, man, I mean, a lot happened during that time that set me up to where I'm at now that I appreciate. So like I say, no regrets. I appreciate all my experiences that I've um, encountered to this point on and I continue to encounter. Yeah. You know, um, it sounds like all those, like, like you said, everything happens for a reason. It just changes your life and changes everything and develops you as a person, especially going through like more hardships of like those losing situations and sure. develops you more of a person and knows how to, you know how to deal with those situations. But, for sure. um, you know, what was your favorite moment of your college career? My favorite moment of my college career, um, let's see. Ah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Honestly, um, man, and I knew it was one question that I didn't remember to look over. It would probably, <laughs> probably just be, um, okay, I got one. So when Coach Mass, two moments. So when Coach Mass, I think he won his 700 game, I was yeah. a part of that. And and we had like a small gym. So after we won his 700 game, we didn't leave. They had like a presentation for him where like, uh, I think it was like Dick Vitale, uh, Mike Fraschella, like all these big time Jay by, uh, Billis, like all the guys who played for him, like literally were like saying like their little 10 to 15 second like skit of like, hey, thanks so much Coach Mash. You know, I really appreciate you. So just seeing that collaboration, uh, that collaborative effort of making something like that special for him was special for me as well. Just knowing all that he went through and how good of a guy he was. And at that age for him to still be going, it was incredible. Um, and then I would say my other one was uh, one day we were having a bad practice with Coach Mass, And he was like, you know what? Since you guys want to BS around, let's take all the basketballs. So he took all the basketballs. He was like, go get the volleyball. He grabbed all the volleyballs. He was like, I want you seven to stand on that side. And I want you seven to stand on that side. And we played like three games of dodgeball. <laughs> After that, he was like, all right, you guys ready to practice now? <laughs> That's so, awesome. That's like, really But yeah, it, I just remember that. Like, I was like, where is he going with this? Like, yeah. Like, it, was, it was funny and kind of fun. So 
Yeah, it sounded like I could have went a complete direction of what I thought, different of what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. so people, a lot of times people, they think like your favorite moment is about like a game where you win or, you know, a, a big time performance that you have. But like for me, it's, it's those moments that like, you know, the people rub off you and they, they leave that lasting impression on you and you see them, you know at their best and you see them at their worst and like how they react so yeah those are those are memorable moments especially when you had a coach like uh it sounds like Rolly Massimino was just a full of uh hell of a personality to be around too <laughs> crazy guy <man. laughs> yeah um so how did you decide that you wanted to make basketball your career after your college career was over with so speaking of uh John Stovall so John Stovall was a ESPN and a, a Nike uh, recruiting analyst. So what he would do is he would go to these AU tournaments, um, yep. top top tournaments, and like he would rank out guys in the Midwest, sometimes oh, wow. nationally. So like say for instance you have a guy like, um, let's say I'm trying to think of a, a guy who just, let's say for instance um, Anthony Edwards, right? Yep. So when Anthony Edwards was in high school. Uh, John Stowell would go to win his games and say, hey, this guy's a real deal, blah, they skit, and he would rank him, right? He would say he's the top five prospect in the junior class. So that's what he would do. So when I was in high school, um, he ranked me um, in Ohio for point guards um, for all positions. And then nationally, I was ranked as well, not anywhere in the top 100, even the top 20, but I was ranked nationally. Um, So he knew of me, and he's from Columbus, and he would always come to, like, the Cleveland events and the Columbus events. Um, So... St. Ed's at the time, I think it was my junior year, they were playing at Ohio State, and um, I ran into them. So my mom was just like, kept, you know, throwing an idea out like, hey, you need to shadow him, you need to see if there's an opportunity, an internship, whatever. So I was just like, all right, whatever. So yeah. I finally went up to him, and he was like, look, like, you can do it, but it's all up to you. So flights, hotel, food, I may help occasionally with the food, but all this is up to you. Mind you, I'm at a division two at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. I'm a broke college student. Like I have no money. So I'm like, all right. So luckily I got a refund check. So I scramble all those dimes and nickels up and I started to travel with them. So I would go to I went to Columbus, which wasn't that far. Kentucky, which was about four hours away from where I was going to school at. I flew to St. Louis. Um, and then I flew to LA just wow. to be out there and just network. Like that's all it was. And I would yeah. occasionally help them with reports. Um, at that point, you know, my college career, I have seen it went south, um, see how coaches were coming in and out. I think I went through two coaches, um, Wow. you know, and with that, like my last coach, it really hit me when we went to a Michigan state versus Florida game it was a big time game. He was going to see some of his guys. His wife was in the car and his wife broke it down to me in the simplest form, but it really resonated with me when she stated, you know, the problem with this situation is my husband's career relies on a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids. So when she broke it down, she said, you know, after you guys lose, you know, you guys just go to the grocery store, you buy beer, right? You buy alcohol, you just party. It's yeah, yeah. no pressure, nothing. My husband come home, he watches film, he's pulling his hair out. You know what I mean? He's worrying about where his next job is going to be. And yeah. when she put that into those terms, it's like, you really are like literally putting your hands I mean, putting your life in jeopardy or, or should I say, you know, putting a career yeah. out there, relying on others who are not even responsible for themselves at the time. So I was like, you know, coaching, I don't know, but maybe overseas. Yeah. And my coach told me when he went overseas, you know, people held checks out on him. Um, you know, it's not what it seems. Sometimes you're leaving, living in an apartment with three other people. Yeah. You're sharing a car. So 
I'm a guy who's not really into like, you know, the the image. I don't care about guys thinking that I'm a professional athlete if it's not benefiting me. So yeah. I chose I chose the route of, you know, another guy I met, Tony Bowler, um, out in L.A. He kind of told me about basketball operations and this path that I could take. And they needed more guys like me out there. So after a 15 minute conversation with them, we made a connection um, and we stayed in touch for three years. Um, but but at that point, I knew like my senior year, I knew it was no way. Like, there's no way I'm going overseas. There's no way yeah. like, I'm continuing playing basketball. Like, I've had enough. Like, I'd rather just get in the realm of coaching. So um, I started to look at for GAs at that point in time when my senior year came. And what was your transition like? You got one at Cleveland State as a graduate assistant. What was that transition like? Correct. So it was tough, man, because, okay, so I went from being a player, um, one of the best players on my team. Obviously, yeah. the team wasn't good, but still, like, basically calling the shots, um, having a voice. Then um, straight from there, I actually didn't get the GA right away. So I worked a, a nine to five um, at, a, at a job called TQL. I try to remember all the jobs I worked just so when I write my book, I can tell everyone like, yeah. it's not just straight, straight path. But yeah, I worked at TQL, which was a logistics company. I worked there for like, I would say three or four months, man. And it was good money. Like straight out of college, I was making like three Gs a month. So wow. and I didn't have any bills or anything. I think a phone bill, $25. So getting three thousand dollars a month i'm like man like this is love that's and nice <laughs> but then obviously that point where they offered clean say offered the job it's like man like you give up the money and i know a lot of people are probably like man, that's senseless like why would you even think about that but i was like give up the money and, and do a ga route or you know just stay with this you know what i mean Keep yeah money and get an apartment and then you know and whatever happens happens so obviously i chose the ga route and that transition was, man, I, I didn't think I would be able to stay in basketball. Um, you know, really? just because, yeah, because at that point in time, um, the year didn't even start. My first project was to literally rearrange a closet of gear of, you know, uh, it was a Christmas tree in there, tennis, right? All types of stuff. You couldn't even walk in there. They wanted me to inventory it by myself and then make space for it. And I'm like, where? Like, there's nowhere for <laughs> So, and on top of that, you got to think we're getting new shipments in the following year. So I was just like frustrated before I even started. Like, but going in, I really needed that year because um, at the time it was Gary Waters was the coach and that coaching staff had been there for how 80 years, you know what I mean? They've been there for a while. Um, No real true innovation. They had their plan in place and it was either going to work or fail. And I respect that about them because they've seen so much success, right? So me coming in, I, I was a player. And they still allowed me to practice, but then I went to doing like just outrageous stuff like going to get people meals, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Hey, doing laundry. Like I just wasn't used to doing it. I was just to get my laundry washed. Um, um, I even had a request one time, uh, Coach Potters told our, our director of basketball operations, like, what's wrong with that boy? Like, you know, he he went to Chipotle and they didn't put enough chicken in my burrito. <laughs> Mind you, I got Chipotle for a party of like 30 or 35. So, <laughs> but, it would, but, but what he was doing was prepping me for real life situations. Like it would be situations where I may have not put a period at the end of a sentence. He would notice that and he would bring it to my attention. Like, like what's wrong? Like you need to put a period at the end of that. And I didn't um, understand it at the time. But now that I've progressed and I've moved on, every little small minor detail matters. And yeah. he really... He really, you know, he really uh, pressed the issue with that. And he he made me understand as a, you know, as an upcoming professional that I needed to take things more serious and really pay close attention to that. So it was a tough transition going from player to GA. But I think overall, we had a good staff that year. They woke me in. We had 
real life conversations. They made me feel comfortable. So it started to smooth over after a while. Oh, nice. That's that's awesome. And like, how that did that open like a lot of doors for you, or like how? Like, how... I, so I wouldn't say it opened a lot of doors. Um, I only did one year of my GA. Um, mm-hmm. Coach Waters resigned the following year, and then um, Dennis. I'm trying to think of his name. I think it's Dennis. I'm trying to think. I can't think of his name. I think it's Dennis Rogers. Coach. I'm not sure, but another coach came in and. Um, you know, he already had his staff in mind. Um, he had planned on bringing his son in um, as a GA. And then he, he, we had two GAs at the time. He planned on X and one GA position out and just making it a video coordinating position that's on salary, one of his guys. So yeah. I had to make a choice, like, because he didn't technically tell me that, you know, um, he didn't technically tell me that he wouldn't give me a position, but he never made me feel as though I had a chance. Like, he just kind of left me out the blue. So one of the days I just wrote him a note because he didn't answer my call, put it on his laptop, just saying, like, I appreciate him. And I also left him a message just saying, hey, I appreciate you for considering me for the GA position. But I think it's best I just, you know, take things into my own hands and kind of just look for other options. And obviously guys take that differently. Some people may look at that as me as like, you know, unprofessional or I shouldn't have done that because I'm young. Right. But with me, I'm just like, I'd rather just bet on myself, like yeah. put my career in the hands of somebody else that I kind of know what direction he's going. So um, at that point, like no doors really open. Like I was reaching out to schools about GA, video coordinator, director of basketball positions, nothing open. Um, I was still reaching out to Tony Bowler. Uh, he was just like, you know, hang in there. We don't have anything at the time. You know, a lot of a lot of failures and rejections, man. So um Actually, from that, I sold cars for seven months after my first GA. Really? Wow. So I sold cars at two dealerships. Um, and then I had an interview with the Mavericks. Um, I made it to the final round. I flew out to Dallas um, and had an interview with um, with a couple of guys. And then I didn't get that. But like I said, I think things happen for a reason. I ended up getting a call like two months later from Tony like, hey, we got a position open. I want you to interview for it, this and that. Um, he's going to call you tomorrow at this time. Um, you know, at that point, Dave Dean called me, who was the GM at the time. He's still the GM of the Wisconsin Herd. Um, he gave me a call. We had a great discussion for about 10, 15 minutes. Then they called me back literally two hours later, like, how fast can you get out here? And I told him I, wow. I can get out there right now. So yeah. um, that's, that's kind of how that went. But, yeah, I wouldn't say it opened up many doors. Um, I didn't have many college connections at the time. Um, I had one more year of my GA, so that's also a tough position. Yeah. Um, it was just it was just weird. And then all of my coaches left. So it wasn't like, you know, the coaching staff was still there. And then I could have asked them for recommendations. They were kind of out of the loop, too, looking for their own positions and what yeah. they were going to do next. So literally everybody for themselves. So at that point, I was just looking and I was, you know, trying to be patient. But it all yeah. worked out. That's awesome. That's great that it worked out. And what was your time like working with like the the herd and then like going to the Warriors? So the herd was another uh, pretty crazy transition um you know it was their first year um so it was in, it was all new um i was brought in i think two days before the draft oh, wow. while the rest of the rest <laughs> of the staff was there the whole month so i mean they already knew each other um i kind of came in as the lone wolf um, yeah just not really knowing anybody just trying to get a filler for everyone um so i just came in behind the start um and then my manager at the time um daniel marks you know great guy. He's going to be a professional in this business for a long, long time. I mean, he's great at retaining information. He knows everything about the NBA and the G League. Um, very responsible, responsive. 
Um, and just a guy that, you know, he's going to hold you accountable. Um, yeah. And at the time, I don't think I was ready for that. I, I just, me being honest with myself now, looking back, I wasn't ready to be put in the position that I was in. And Daniel um, had just such high expectations of what he expected and what he wanted things to look like. Because yeah. if, if he was by himself, it would have been done that way. Um, I think at this time, Danny was in the league for like four or five years. So he already knew what was expected. Um, so we, we had a couple of, you know, rough patches to start. Um, like I said, a lot of, a lot of it was just me being um, not immature. I just want to say ignorant to the fact of, you know, how hard I really had to work. And like yeah. I said, how much I had to pay to it. But after, after we kind of hashed it out after halfway through the year, I mean, our relationship grew tremendously. I learned so much from that guy. Like the second, the second like term of that year, the second part of that year, man, I killed it. And um, a lot of the staff said I was the most improved player. Like it was just <laughs> funny because like they were like, "We'll be honest with you, like you were terrible. Like you didn't have any hope. Like you were really bad." But you know, now you you really showing some stride. So um, they brought me back for a second year, man. And then, I mean, me and Danny already knew what was expected. We had that connection. We didn't really have too many. Issues and any issues we had, we solved them. And when I say issues, um, in the G League, and people who work in the G League understand that no day is the same. And I mean, you're constantly just putting out fires after fires. Yeah. So, um, but me and Danny had a mutual respect, mutual understanding of what needed to be done. And when he said something needed to be done, I was urgent and I got it done. Um, if I wasn't able to get it done, Danny's the type of guy, he's going to do it himself. He doesn't care if it's mopping the floor, he doesn't care if it's washing guys' drawers, he's going to do it with a smile on his face. So, Second year, we killed it. I think statistically, we were because the NBA always takes a poll of like, you know, best operations team. And that that consists of, you know, um, away team, how the away team was treated as far as their hotel, which we don't have any. We really don't have any, you know, control over. But as yeah. far as the practice space, um, the time, what, did they have enough tiles? Did they have? So we were ranked number one in the league. Wow. So, um, That's really cool. <laughs> but but on paper, wins, losses. We weren't good. <laughs> and, and the team, like I said, it's just crazy because our first year, we started off really hot, number one team in the league. Yeah. And we got call-ups, trans, transactions, guys, leaves. It's just a lot, man. And, um, you know, we ended up being one of the worst teams in the league. And then my second year, we just never got it going. And we were, like, one of the worst teams in the league again. So, um, obviously, change is going to come with that. If you're not winning, change. So, yeah. Um, nothing was available for me at the time, but they still helped out. And that staff is just great. I just remember me telling them I wanted to be at Summer League. When I say they made a call and 10 minutes later, I was working Summer League. That's I worked awesome. Summer League two years straight because, you know, Dave Dean and Tony Bowler uh, made a call. So those guys are great over in Milwaukee. And it, it all translates to how they're playing. I mean, from the players to the staff, they love each other, man. Um, it's a good cohesive group. So um, I enjoy my time with them. That's awesome. That's really cool. And how did how did you uh, get linked up with the Warriors and how did that work out? So, again, I uh, got to give credit to Daniel Marks. Man. So uh, <laughs> one of my responsibilities would be, you know, setting up the shoot around for the opposing team. So, um, you know, and that was a way of me connecting with other coaches or other basketball operations guys just to get my name around the league. And just like I said, if I ever was out of a job, you know, talk to them or if they ever needed help, just just build relationships. So, yeah. Um, that point in time, we we're playing the Warriors. The team came in and spoke to everybody. Hey, how you doing? So I met a guy named Mike Lee. He's an assistant coach. He's actually an assistant coach now, and that's my scout buddy. So who, when we do scout reports, I, I basically report to him. That's awesome. Um, yep. So I, I met him. We kind of just hit it off, talked. And one of the things he mentioned was he needed to work on networking. <clears throat> so I said, you know, I 
I agree with you. Same with me. You know, after the game, when I lose, like, let's go get dinner somewhere. I'll take you out. All right, cool. So we lost. Um, so that, in in turn, kind of good because I'm afraid yeah. if we would have won, he wouldn't have wanted to meet up. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did their laundry or whatever. Um, and then after I took the laundry to them and then I just hung out with them. Um, it was just so cool because when I say their whole staff, coaching staff, training staff, um, operations, their GM, they were all downstairs at one table. Like it was the last supper eating Olive Garden, just talking, laughing, joking. And here I am on another team. We never did anything like that. So yeah. it was just like, wow, this is crazy. So I sat with them, you know, we watched some basketball, just talked, and that was it. Like, let's just stay in touch. We, we you know, we uh, we exchanged numbers and we just went from there. Um, then I met back up with him at Summer League and <clears throat> the GM. Well, he's the GM now, but at the time he was the assistant GM, Ryan Atkinson. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he reached out. Well, I actually ran to him. He was like, what you doing now? Like, you know, you going back to Milwaukee? And I was like, no, like, I'm actually looking. He was like, that's crazy. Like, we're looking too. Um, just stay in touch. Like, send me your resume, this and that. So I'm like, all right, send him my resume. Um, so then this summer, when I, well, when I got back from Las Vegas, two weeks of working, um, I got back. I was working in the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, camps for the uh, kids or whatever, youth camps. <clears throat> and then I received a call from Ryan. So we just talked. And Ryan literally spent that whole time just getting to know me and wanting to know what I saw myself doing long term. So professionally, like if I could have an ideal role, what would it be? Yeah, and that's literally what it was. It wasn't him telling me like this is what we have available. He was asking me that. Yeah. Like, OK, cool. So then from there, I had an interview with the head coach, kind of talked to him, Chris Weems. Everything yeah. was cool, man. And then finally got a call from Ryan and Ryan. I mean, <clears throat> love the guy to death. I, somebody I call a mentor, just seeing where he came from. Um, as a ball boy and team attendant to constantly yeah. moving up, just working hard. Um, with the Warriors, he was the only ops guy in there at night, washing laundry, opening the gym up late for guys to work out, still doing sky reports, logistics, like just a hard worker. So yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> to be able to get the nod from him was just, it was just, I don't know, man, it's just a huge honor. And then for him also to just tell me like the position that he was giving me was exactly what I told him I wanted to do. That's awesome. Unbelievable. I mean, from from the jump, we hit it off. Like he he sent me to Chicago for a league meeting before I even met the staff, before I even touched down in California. Wow, sent that's me, crazy. Sent, sent me Warriors gear to my hotel room in Chicago to make sure that I had something to like. Just stuff like that that seems minor. It's stuff that sticks out to me, and it shows he, that you know he's he paying cares. attention. He's care. He cares yeah. exactly. So, and it takes nothing to just go into a storage room, grab gear. Put in a box and send it off. It takes all but 20 minutes. And, yeah. But it, it leaves a lasting impact on me. So that's someone I'll always vouch for, work hard for. So, but it just, I mean, yeah, this shows what type of character they are as well, you sure. know. Yeah. For sure. But like, you know, w working for the Warriors, that's got to be a really cool experience with everything, their association, everything that they are going with, like winning championships and the team, sure. like the, the, everyone that they have and players. Like, what has been your favorite experience working for them? And then, you know, what, what's what's it been like so far? I think um, one of my favorite experiences um, was when I first got there. I think it was like one of the first workouts. Willie Cauley-Stein came down and they said, Mike, you're going to be playing three on three with Willie Cauley-Stein. <laughs> <laughs> and they had never seen me play or anything. So, like, to be able to play against Willie was good. Um, obviously, having Steph Curry down for the one day was awesome. Um, didn't really interact with him much, but, I mean, he – he was kind. He, what's up, bro? Like, everything good? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. really good down-to-earth dude. But honestly, man, I, I don't have a, a 
one-time moment. I would say just being around those guys and having that relationship. Our staff is just at Santa Cruz is so like closely knitted. We're like, it's yeah. not just our basketball. Like we can go out and get lunch and, you know, and talk about something totally different. Like we can talk about uh, a legend or like we, we have these two guys, Mike Lee and AB. They, they say it's the AB and Lee show. <laughs> these two guys go on Instagram and go at it every day jokingly about, you know, who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan. And then somehow it goes into Will. And then it somehow it goes to, well, Shaq is better than Will. You know what I mean? And it never yeah. stops. So just like those relationships, being in those conversations, man, just just being around the guys, I think it's just yeah. been my favorite moment. It's just been a blessing. So that's that just sounds like an awesome environment to work around and like sure. to be with be with those people. I've I've heard like stories from other uh, organizations and people I spoke with that like the Warriors, like people are trying to build what the Warriors have because they're just close knit organization from the NBA to the G League. For sure. And I mean, even like being with, <clears throat> I know a lot of these teams that are newer, they try to model after, you know, a Warriors or, you know, a Texas Legends, RGB, these teams that have been established for a while now and have seen success, the Austin Spurs, like these other G League teams are trying to see, like, and whether it's analytically, whether it's the players that they're going out there, they're trying to find a way to kind of model their success. And, I mean, teams, I think, are starting to catch on, but the Warriors will always be, I think, now a, a top contender in the league for NBA and G League just because of the guys that are working in that front office. Um, you know, it's a great mesh of, you know, seasoned and young, hungry professionals who yeah. – have the same goal and common, um, like I said, common goal and just are aligned um, to get the job done. And they're always on the same page, communication. And uh, what I love most is, you know, with them, they genuinely want to know, like, your recommendations. They want to know how you feel about things before making a decision, which a lot yeah. of organizations, you know, you may not see that. You may just see, like, all right, I want to hear about what you have to say. And it may go one ear out the other, like, all right, thank you, and then go about your day. But but they really want to know, like, okay, like, why do you feel that way? Like, can you write up a report for me, showing me? You know what I mean? So yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's that just makes you feel like you're just involved and like a part of it, part of it. Valued, yep. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And is there now? What is your ultimate goal? Like, what would you want to be? What's your dream job coming out of this? So right now, um, player development. I'm kind of uh, in off the court. So a lot of times people get confused uh, with player development. Because when you say player development, right, you just think of skill work, like on the court, yeah, uh, drills, trainer. But in the NBA, it's, it's a common misconception that player development is also off the court. So <clears throat> when you when you give, like, for instance, team player development, I'm sure when people see that, they just think I'm working guys out. But a lot of things I do have to do are off the court, whether that's setting up a tour, um, a couple of tours that I've set up, um, Sony headquarters, PlayStation headquarters. Oh, cool. We took our team to PlayStation and we got a tour of their headquarters, which is, um, I believe, in San Mateo. Mm -hmm. it's, it's somewhere in Cali near Santa Cruz. Um, and then I also, when we had a couple of games in New York, I flew out to New York and then um, we visited the headquarters of the NBA office. So that's, that's setting cool. up tours, helping guys um, navigate. So I, I had a couple guys um you know, when we were at the showcase, the G League showcase, um, the G League wanted them for modeling uh, purposes um, yeah. for their commercials and brand marketing. So I basically like was the anchor and I orchestrated all of the logistics as far as getting guys to and from. Um, so I enjoy those things. Um, yeah, that's really I, I don't, cool. I don't know if I would want to stay in the NBA or if I would just want to start managing players myself. Um, you know, I have yeah. a lot of relationships with players. 
Um, obviously, with me being young, I'm able to relate to them. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> common interest. Um, I just think I'll be good at it. And then the connections that I'm building through player development through the league, those yeah. can also soon enough become my own personal connections where, you know, I can match the player to that connection. So that's kind of my thought process. Um, yeah, that's it was awesome. Just- it will give me a lot more free time. Um, a lot more time about <laughs> family too. So yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's that's a big thing. That's yeah, that's that's my thinking. That, that's awesome, dude. And uh, you definitely have the personality for it. Appreciate like it. you know, this whole interview has been awesome. Period. Appreciate and it. been Appreciate great. Um, your personality is amazing, and I think you would do wonders for players. And you just connect with people easily. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the truth, man. I I, I honestly wish you the best of luck, and oh, I. Thank uh, you. Thank you for your time for coming on my podcast, too. That's all I have for questions. Got any questions for me or anything? Or? No, Jeff. I just want to take the time to say thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time um, to want to interview me. Um, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I can't wait to hear it from myself, to hear how goofy I sound. <laughs> but no, I just wanted, last thing I want to say is um, just for anybody out there as far as like kids or, you know, even, even the millennials like around my age, um, me being 26, you know, those guys in between coming out of college. Just, um, you know, keep working. Like, like I said, it's all about timing. Um, as long as you do the due diligence of, you know, reaching out to people, trying to connect, um, you know, and studying and, you know, making yourself accessible and just showing face, you have a great chance of, you know, being in a position like me or even better than me or being able to work in the industry that you want to work in, whether that's fashion, um, you know, music, whatever the case may be, but just, just stay patient. Just keep working, and it'll all work out. So, that's yeah, it. that's great. Thank you so much uh, for your time, Mike. That's great advice, and I, I was I really appreciate that for the listeners too. But I, you know, great to connect, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, connect when the season gets going. I'll be I'll probably try to make a trip out to San Francisco soon. Let me know, man. I got a place for you. All right, thank you. I appreciate all it. All right, Jeff. No all problem. right, take it easy. Bye bye.